Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us as we begin a brand new broadcast week. And today I'm talking to you about kindness and goodness. Hey, do you remember when Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with that very expensive perfume? Man, the disciples, they were livid. Well, especially Judas. And we discovered that he was upset about that because he wanted to take that perfume sell it, put the money into the treasury, and then he could help himself to the cash. And now they all thought they knew the best way to manage this expensive resource. In their mind, you ought to sell it, give the proceeds to the poor. But how did Jesus respond? Well, he didn't reprimand the disciples. He commended Mary and said, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Well, what is that one thing that Jesus is talking about? Well, that one thing is putting him first. You know, when Jesus is the centerpiece of our lives, all the pieces of our lives become filled with peace. Now, let me repeat that because somebody needs that today. When Jesus is the centerpiece of our lives, all the pieces of our lives become filled with peace. Jesus put it this way. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And now Jesus is not condemning work. He's reminding us that God supplies all of our needs. You know, work is our ministry. It's a ministry to our community, to our church, to our family, but it is God who supplies our needs. The birds work. Uh, They don't have the means to store away in barns, so the Lord feeds them when they can't feed themselves. This truth helps us to manage stress, the stress of work, and helps us to experience peace. So today I want to talk to you about how to be good, how to be kind. Now, several years ago, Sherry and I were facing battles on several fronts. Our son Seth started having violent meltdowns, damaging property, himself, and even us. As a result of his unexpected attacks, Sherry and some of our healthcare workers ended up in the emergency room. Seth spent months in and out of various hospitals, both near and far. Some of our church members and family members were experiencing significant health concerns at the same time, and we were in the middle of a difficult and an extensive church-building project. To add to our worries, the mortgage company that was funding our building project decided, while we were under construction, to pull out of the deal. At the same time, we are in the process of moving to a new house that would be more suitable for Seth and be big enough for Sherry's mom to move in with us because her dad was preparing for open-heart surgery. When we fought the mortgage company, uh, the church didn't have the money to continue the building project. So for two months, construction stopped. We were building a turn lane, and it was partially completed. Uh, We had a building pad and a parking lot that was under construction, and all of a sudden, construction stops. Construction barrels were on the side of the road in front of the church, and these large drain pipes scattered the church property, but nothing was happening. Rumors were started that the church was insolvent and that the pastor took the building fund money to purchase his new home. 
people started leaving the church, and uh, and many of them were disgruntled. And, and we even had one parent who uh, had a student in our academy decided to go ahead and sue us because she wasn't happy with what she thought she should receive in her son's education. Uh, that was the icing on the cake, I guess you could say. And then to add insult to injury, somebody told us some great, I guess you could say, follower of Christ said, well, the reason you're having all these troubles in your life is because you have some sin in your life. The reason your son has autism and the reason that you're going through all these difficulties in your life is because you got some unconfessed sin somewhere in your life. And if you would just repent of that sin, things would turn around. Well, you know what I thought about that, dearly beloved saint? I thought, well, this person must be a relative of Job's friends. <laughs> well, well, we were stressed. I mean, we were feeling the pressure. And, uh, and for several Sundays, I didn't even want to go to church. Now, I probably would have skipped and, uh, and not even gone to church, but I had nobody to cover for me. And we had to continue to minister while we were deeply hurt. You know, during those days, Sherry and I would pray before our Sunday morning services and before I would head off to church, and then I would have these parting words. And I said this to her several Sundays back to back, and I said, well, I wonder who's going to leave the church this week. Well, I want you to know, we survived, and our peace slowly came back. And by God's grace, our hearts healed from the bitterness that was starting to form. And so today's message is a message designed to help bring healing, and that healing may not come immediately, but I want you to start to understand how valuable you are to God. As I was looking at Matthew chapter 6, the passage that we just referred to where Jesus says that he takes care of the birds of the air, the last part of that verse, verse 26 says, and I would repeat this part of the verse over and over and over again, how much more valuable are you than they? If Jesus takes care of the birds of the air and they don't store things in barns, he feeds them even in the winter months. How much more valuable are we than the birds of the air? Well, today and tomorrow in the broadcast, I want to talk to you about the goodness of the Lord and how if you're a recipient of his goodness, you can't help but be good. Do you remember that passage in the Bible where we're told to turn the other cheek, right? Uh, somebody strikes us on one side of the cheek, we are to turn the other side of the cheek. And for many years, I struggled with that passage. And I'm thinking, you mean I've got to muster up, right, uh, the, the, the patience and, uh, and the diligence not to strike that person back. And I used to think that's what that means. But as that passage was given... And after I studied this message, I discovered what Jesus is saying is that as followers of Christ, there is so much goodness in us because of the kindness of the Savior that we no longer have it in us to be mean. We have goodness within us. And so we don't have to strive not to be mean. We just have to tap into the goodness of the Lord and remember how kind he has been to us. Paul drives home this theme in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So I'm going to give you some background to this passage, but our key text is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 15, where Paul says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Now, as we look at this particular passage, this is actually in the context of a prophetic passage. 
1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 are talking about the return of the Lord, talking about the rapture of the church. And as we look at this, Paul is driving home the point that as we get closer and closer to the rapture of the church, closer and closer to the second coming of the Lord, we must be very patient and we must not pay back wrong for wrong, but we must always strive to do what's good for everyone's sake. Now, as we think about being kind and being helpful, and and that word kind means to be one who is considerate, one who is not self-indulgent, but one who is looking at the needs of others. The whole process of this feeling kind to one another is something that even the world, I think, understands to benefit. As a matter of fact, before I give you reasons why we should be kind, I'm going to give you seven reasons why we are kind or why we should be good because of what Christ has given to us, all taken from this chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But before we do that, you know, the world sometimes is wiser than the believers of Christ when it comes to the matter of finances and even when it comes to this matter of kindness, because the world knows certain benefits of being kind. Now, let me just give them to you, right? These are non-biblical reasons for being kind, but they're very practical reasons for why we should be kind. Here's the first one. You know, kindness is actually a remedy for anxiety. You know, being nice to others can be one of the easiest and the quickest and most inexpensive ways to keep anxiety at bay. Because they have discovered that when I'm kind to somebody, it calms the mood, it calms the environment, and it takes the focus off of me. When I'm kind to somebody else, I'm not so much focused on the anxiety that I'm feeling. So there is a benefit to being kind and that it is a remedy for anxiety. There's something else that happens when we're kind to others. You know, kindness actually produces a contagious smile. If you're being kind to somebody, you are most likely causing them to smile and you see that smile for yourself, and it's very contagious. You know, neuroscience proposes that seeing someone else showing an emotion, it automatically activates the same areas in the brain that we experience that emotion ourselves. As a matter of fact, I did this experiment in our church. Now, if you drive down the road, you get somebody with you in the car, and if you can do this as you keep an eye on the road, just turn over to that person, look over that person, put a big smile on your face. You don't have to say anything. Just put a big smile on your face. Now, if that person is awake and they're paying attention and they're looking at you, uh, they're going to probably think, well, what's up with this guy, right? But as you smile at a person, you're going to notice that they smile back. You see, smiles are contagious. Being kind produces a contagious smile in the lives of others, and it lifts up your spirits. You know, there's something else about kindness. Kindness is actually a remedy for the heart. You know, being kind to others can affect the actual chemical balance in your heart. Did you know that kindness sets free the hormone oxytocin? And that hormone, as it's being released, it has a chemical called nitric oxide that is released into the blood vessels, and that dilates the blood vessels. You see, oxytocin is known as the cardioprotective I guess you could say the protection of the heart. It is a cardioprotective hormone, and it reduces blood pressure. Uh, so in the name of good cardiac health, I-, I want you to be kind to one another. So there's a saying that says, caring people have really big hearts. 
This is so true as kindness strengthens your heart physically and emotionally. Well, there's something else about kindness. Did you know that kindness actually not only reduces anxiety, but reduces stress? In the hustle and bustle of our daily lives, each human being faces some sort of stress every day. It might even start with sitting in the traffic right now on your way home from work. To be able to cope with these stressful situations, an act of being kind to others actually reduces the stress factor. This is because it allows you to pay less attention to yourself, less attention to your own problems. And the moment you focus on doing good to others, it enables you to have a break from your own problems. You know, the added bonus is that you have appreciation that is shown by that person that is receiving that act of kindness. It also enables you to cope better with stressful situations, providing for this improved emotional function. So in the name of not only good cardiac health, but also good emotional health, reducing your stress, be kind to somebody. You know, they discovered something else about kindness. And again, these are all practical reasons why we should be good to people, why we should be kind to people, is because it also enables us to have the power to right a wrong. You know, doing an act of kindness to a family member or a friend or even a stranger, as we do this, we can begin to undo a wrong. And we could give a gift of kindness as we are beginning the process of being reconciled with somebody. As I think about this, we're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving and the holidays, and maybe you're going to be seeing some people that you don't see the rest of the year. Maybe you've got that uncle or you've got that cousin that you're not looking forward to seeing. Uh, and you know you got to spend Thanksgiving with them. You know you got to spend some time with them over Christmas. And you really want to make the best of it. And you realize that there's been some things in the past that have not been right between the two of you. Uh, why don't you have a random act of kindness toward that person and see if that doesn't have a positive impact. See if it doesn't improve uh, the mood of that room as you're gathered together. You know, kindness does that. It enables us to have that power to right a wrong. You know, there's something else about kindness. Did you know that kindness opens a door to new friendships? Being kind to somebody opens up doors and it would allow us to have this social connection with somebody. The Bible is clear. He that hath friends, right, must show himself friendly. Being kind to one another. We're actually told to be kind to one another and build each other up. You know, as I think about kindness, kindness also can give you a new identity. Acts of kindness helps us to demonstrate a positive identity. It makes us feel proud of ourselves because we have this ability to be that better person, right? As a matter of fact, in a a recent study, children in their first year of secondary school recognized how being kind can make you feel as a better person, a more complete person, leading to feelings of joy and feelings of happiness. Well, we've covered a lot of good reasons why to be kind, but you know, a side benefit of being kind? As you're kind to others, kindness comes back to you. As somebody might remember how you helped them out and how they want to now help you. 
you know, one of the blessings of being a pastor at the same church for a long time is that you get to know other churches in the community. You get to know other pastors in the community. Uh, you get to see people go through various stages of their lives. And uh, I'm so blessed that I have children that I have dedicated when they were babies. And then they got a little bit older. I had the privilege of baptizing them. And then I had the privilege as they got older than that, doing their wedding ceremony and just following their lives and being part of their lives for the long run. And as you think about kindness, acts of kindness gives us that positive identity in the lives of others. You know, recently a church in our community needed some work done, and uh, the pastor called me, and uh, this is an older congregation, a very small congregation. Uh, As a matter of fact, their church doesn't meet in a traditional church building. They converted a house and made it into a a church, just a, a beautiful, tiny little building. But this building has been there for a long time. And as a result of being there in uh, for a very long time, and, and you know, the Hampton Roads area is notorious for termites. That silent killer, those little termites that chew away unannounced and even unaware many times. Well, this church had so much termite damage on one side of the building, I honestly thought the whole roof was going to cave in. Well, this pastor said, you know, we just don't have uh, the people and uh, we're an older congregation that can fix this problem. And I said, we can help you. I'll bring some guys over. And so they bought the materials and bought a new door and bought all the materials that we needed. And we brought some guys over there. And, you know, by reaching out to this congregation, every one of the guys that I brought over there at first were like, oh, this is a huge project. This is beyond our capability. But we just began to chip away, take away those areas of damage, and we just took it piece by piece by piece. And wouldn't you know, five hours later, six hours later, the task was repaired. The building was repaired. You know who got the bigger blessing out of that? Uh, Not that congregation. We did. Those who worked on it. It was such a blessing to reach out, and I was so happy that we had the ability to help another church. You see, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Well, let's talk about this whole matter of kindness. Seven reasons why we are to be kindness-driven. I've given you a bunch of practical reasons. Now let's give you some biblical reasons, okay? Now let me set the background before I start going down this list of seven reasons. Paul is writing to the Thessalonian believers. He is reminding them that the Lord is going to come, and it's called the imminent return of Christ. Now the imminent return of Christ means that it could happen at any time. Everything is in order. Everything is in place for it to happen. Nothing else prophetically has to happen before the rapture of the church. So the Thessalonian believers are waiting with anticipation. They are believing that they're going to see Christ return in their lifetime. They're waiting patiently. Christ has not returned. So Paul writes them this letter to these Thessalonian believers, trying to encourage them. As a result of waiting, they began to lose that edge of kindness. You know how that is, right? You get impatient and, uh, and, and you're sitting in traffic and, uh, and, and you might be a very reserved person, but after sitting in traffic for an hour or two, all of a sudden that blood pressure begins to rise and all of a sudden that temper begins to flare and you were kind for the first 30 minutes of sitting in the traffic, but now it's going on the second hour of sitting in traffic and all of a sudden you are no longer feeling filled with gladness and goodness and kindness. You are tired of waiting. Well, that's kind of how the Thessalonian believers were. Now, if that was true for them, 
2,000 years ago. And maybe you're feeling the same way. Maybe you're listening to this broadcast as, you know, everybody keeps talking about Jesus coming back, and uh, we've been talking about it for 2,000 years, and I don't see it happening. I don't believe it's going to happen. Well, I want you to know something. We're one day closer to the return of Christ. It could happen at any time. I may not finish this broadcast before Jesus comes back. You may not finish this day before Jesus comes back. Paul was reminding them that the Lord is going to return. And he's going to capture up those who are alive. And it says, the dead in Christ will rise up first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. So shall we be with the Lord forevermore. So don't get discouraged waiting. As we are waiting, we should be kind to one another. Because number one, we are alive in the light. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verses 4 and 5. Paul says, but you... Brothers and sisters are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Now, Paul is reminding them that we are fully alive in Christ. We are walking in the light, and because of that, we know what's going to happen, so we're not surprised at the changes in our culture. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote to young Timothy. Now, Timothy was a a young, nervous pastor when Paul wrote to him. And uh, as a matter of fact, he was so nervous, Paul said, you better take a little wine to calm down that stomach because you got a nervous stomach. And so Paul was the mentor of Timothy, and Paul wanted Timothy to be aware of what was happening. He says, now mark this. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3, but mark this. There's going to be terrible times. In the last days. And Paul gets real specific. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, prideful, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, Paul is reminding him that that's what our culture is going to be like as we get to the terrible last days, and we are in the last days right now. You say, when did the last days begin? The last days began at the ascension of Christ when he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will reside in you. And he says, I'm coming back again. John chapter 14, Jesus gives an entire chapter talking about his return. And what's he doing in the process of time as he's waiting for that time to come back? He is preparing a place for us. Such a comforting chapter, John chapter 14. Jesus talking about going and preparing a place for us. And every time I do a funeral, I, I did a funeral just this past Sunday afternoon, and uh, I use John chapter 14 because it brings so much comfort where Jesus reminds us that he's going to prepare a place for us. It's going to be a beautiful mansion that he's preparing for us. And he says, if I go and prepare that place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. So that was the beginning of the last times, the end times, the last days, or the beginning of the preparation of the day of the Lord. 
as we look at what Paul says to Timothy, he's talking about those who are in the world, but then he, in verse number five, says, there's those that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Paul does a transition. He says, there's some who will be false professors of Christ. They have a form of godliness, but they're not getting their power from God or from Christ. And he says, have nothing to do with such people. You know, the greatest mistake that we make about darkness and the darkness that we live in is overestimating its influence or underestimating its influence. You know, when Jesus spoke to the disciples, he said, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Oh, if you don't walk in the light, you don't have the kindness of the Lord in your heart. I pray today that you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. A simple prayer of faith. Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried, that you rose again three days later, and that you are my Savior, my Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart. If you say a simple little prayer like that, you're born again. You are alive in the light. Well, join me tomorrow as we do part two of seven reasons we are to be kind. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.